Yeah, so it's, it's a blessing uh, we, to be entrusted, right, with, with like young men and women here. We call our school-age kids the rock climbers. And we've got nursery and preschool, and there's people working in there to help them. And then we've got bigger kids here. And then the biggest kid, Corey. We've got all of those right there. So, so thank you, Lord, for entrusting all of them to us. My name is Will. I'm the pastor. If we didn't get a chance to meet, I hope we will. We are in... Okay, I don't know if I would go as far to say it's, it's a legit sermon series, but we are going through the book of John very slowly. Uh, we're hoping Jesus will come back before the end of the book, but who knows, right? I don't know. So I keep slowing it down, trying to give him some time, because I know he's not slow to act, as we would consider slow, but patient, wanting that all of us would come to repentance and come home with him. So disclaimer, if as a pastor ever told you this, Guess what? I woke up Sunday morning. I had to change the sermon. So that's scary. Some of you are going to be heading for the door right now. Uh, so bear with me. Bear with me. I think I've done it before. Yeah. yeah. So next week you'll get what I was going to tell you today. Maybe. But, but today we'll get in. Let's pray. And then we'll, we're actually going to read a lot of scripture. So hopefully you're excited about that or at least long-suffering with me on that. Okay. Father, please guide us today. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thanks for keeping everything in motion. Thanks for protecting us each day, for creating us, for saving us. Even thank you for your judgment, your discernment, Lord, your power and your grace and your mercy. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to fill us, empower us, guide us, convict us, all the things that he does. We are never alone, Lord. You are always with us and you will be until our last breath, and then you'll be, we'll be present with you, or with us till the last day, day of the age, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, you're going to want to have a Bible, whether you click, click in your phone, tablet, old-fashioned pages, whatever it is that you prefer. Let's have to reset that. Smoke signals? Yeah, yeah. That's not work. You have to reset that there, maybe. Um, so we're in the book of, we'll start with John, and then I'm going to take you on a, a quick detour. So John, chapter 5, begins like this. Well, it doesn't begin like this, but this is kind of one of the, one of the scriptures that, that was in our section of scripture today that's taken us on the detour. And he has given him, so who's he if you've been here? Who's he? Father God, right, has given him, which is who? Awesome. Okay, good. We're, we're on the same page. He's given him authority to judge because he is the son of man. A couple things here. First of all, uh, so God has given Jesus the authority to judge. On Sunday night, we, we won't be doing that tonight because we'll be watching the Super Bowl together. But on Sunday nights, we have, we have our Sunday night church where we go into the sermon deeper. And, and that place is full of what I like to call Jesus ninjas, because you just don't see them. They're awesome. You don't see them coming. And one of the G- Jesus ninjas said, you know, did you look at the meaning of the word judgment and, and to judge? And the, the meaning there is to separate, to, to sort, to discern. So God said, Jesus, because you created them, because you knew them, because you walked on earth like they walked on earth and faced all the challenges and encounters like they did, who's better to discern to separate those who are for God and going his way and who have decided to follow the ways of this world and the ruler of the ways of this world, which is Satan. 
And ultimately, Jesus is referring to when everything ends, when that sorting happens. Who are you with? As my wife likes to say, whose hand are you holding right now? Who are you going with? Um, So you know what? I have this conviction, and it's this. One of the reasons why we're going through John is I realize so much of us, what we know about the Bible was told to us and not seen for ourselves. And, And I think we have an opportunity each day to begin with this, you know, truth that was inspired by God, written by man, written by the word of God, right, through man, and stood the test of time through, through many, many glances and views and, and, and translations as led by the Holy Spirit. So let's, let me, let me uh, talk to you about how this whole thing is going to end. And talking about it, even reading through it, I realize how much has crept in to my belief system based on what you've seen in a movie, a TV, heard from a teacher, right? In our best attempts to try to understand what happens. So go to Revelation chapter 19. Disclaimer. This is, this is first of all, okay, this is John, the same guy who wrote John. And he's been given this, this vision, if you will. He's, he's seeing what's happened in the heavenly places. He's, he's seeing what's happened, what's happening, and what's going to happen. And so there's a lot of debate about, okay, what, what here, what, what we're about to read, is this a literal thing? Is it some kind of symbolic imagery? Is it metaphor? Is it an ancient person's best explanation of a modern circumstance? Yes. Thank you. The one thing I love, the one way you know it's from God necessarily and not man is man has a tendency. We want to wrap it all up in a pretty bow and understand everything. But please understand, this is God. His ways are so high above our ways. I mean, as far as two things can get from each other are his ways and our ways. And and let me just say, I'm not going to answer all those questions today. I just want us to read this and ask that the Lord would, before we move forward and talk about uh, Jesus' grace, I want, I want to read through what's happening. So first of all, okay, kiddies, you ready for a, a sweet, pleasant bedtime story? Check this part out, okay? Revelation 19. And the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet. Now, here's what's interesting about that. If you read in Revelation, uh, the false prophet, you guys aware of that? So apparently there's going to be someone coming to deceive, to rule, right? He's, he's going to do something, whether it's literal or metaphor, whatever, symbolic, get people to, to go against God and give them a, an image. And if they don't, what happens to them? Their head's cut off, okay? So here we go. 19, what we see here is a battle. It's kind of the final battle, often called Armageddon, right? The tribulation times have come. There's, there's Armageddon. There's this battle. Now what's happened is the beast and the false prophet. Who's the beast? Does anyone know from previous studies? The beast, what's confusing about the beast when you research it, sometimes that's used to describe the Antichrist. Sometimes it's also used to describe government systems, right? Yeah, empowered by Satan. So what's interesting is I'm just taking, like, look at the text here, okay? Look at the text. Another disclaimer. If you're wrong about your view on all this, does that mean you go to hell? If you're right... Do you go to some better version of heaven? No. Okay. Jesus is the way. Right? 
The only way to the Father. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, not your rightness. So, okay, put it down, okay? Put down your rightness right now. And let's just read the, read the thing and see what we see here. What's interesting is it says the beast was captured and with it the false prophet. There's two separate things. So my best understanding is yes, can't you see? Like the world system's at play at this time. And the person leading and deceiving them are captured at the end of the battle. And with it, the false prophet who in its presence had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, those who worshiped its image. These two, right, the beast. So let's just go with the beast, whoever that is, and and the, the Antichrist, right? Both of them were thrown alive into a lake of fire that burns with sulfur. Right? Their battle has been, their, their, their army has been slain, has been killed. Verse 21, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse. Right? Jesus came to set some things straight. Killed their army, grabs them, throws them in this lake of fire that burns with sulfur. And then check this out. Here's where it gets beautiful bedtime story like. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. That's a Sunday school story for you right there. The flannel graph. All the enemies destroyed and God's like, here you go, eat birds. And they're gorged. They can't eat anymore. They're eating these people up. Wild, right? Wait, there's more. Okay, so now we're going to go to Revelation 20. I, my, my hope here is to give you information that you're going to be like, it's going to light a fire in your belly and you're going to want to go look at this some more. And then we can go from there. Revelation 20 is often referred to, we've given it two names, this thousand-year reign of Christ or the millennial kingdom. Now, there's three big views that, that Christians have about this, and I'll just tell you them, okay? The first one, one of the views that, that's, that's believed by the pre, premillennial folk is that this is an actual literal thousand years in which Jesus will reign, okay? And what they say is, on the back end of Armageddon, right, and then... The Antichrist and the world systems that follow him are thrown in the lake of fire, and then this happens, what we're about to read, okay? Now, post-millennial, amongst all their other beliefs, one thing they believe is that Jesus' reign is symbolic of a thousand years of righteousness and spiritual prosperity in the hearts of believers, and that it's happening in the current church age, okay? So that's one, one set of beliefs, and then the third one is amillennial. And it's similar to that, but, but the way they describe it, it's like a thousand years. It's merely a symbolic, like, oh, it's like a thousand years, Corey. Like a long time, right? But it's also a symbolic thing, and it's a spiritual thing that's being fulfilled now. Okay, do you kind of see the three? One, there's a section of people who say, yeah, there's going to be a thousand year literal reign. Other people are like, no, we're in it because... Jesus reigns in the hearts through the Holy Spirit of the believers. And then the other group takes it even farther. Well, it's not maybe not even a thousand years, but yeah, it's kind of like happening now in the church age. Okay, you see those three views? Now, let's take a look at what the scripture says. Verse 1, Revelation 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. I mean, come on, picture this with me, guys. An angel coming down. What kind of chain is this? Right? 
We're talking bigger than the biggest rapper you know right now. This is like a chain, right? A chain and a key to a bottomless pit. Let's just say it's literal right now. I'd rather imagine that than whatever else it could be, okay? Let's just say that it's the angels coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. He seizes the dragon, the, that ancient serpent. What, who, who is it that they're talking about? Well, it tells us. This is good. Who is the devil and Satan? We don't have to guess. This serpent is the devil and Satan, right? Him, the one. And bound him. This chain locked up Satan for a thousand years. There you go. There's the one opinion for sure, which I would tend to agree with. And, and threw him into the pit, right? And shut it and sealed it over him so that he may not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. Now, I don't mean to pick on anyone, but I mean, when you're reading it, right, can you kind of see? So a couple things. Satan's no longer deceiving the nations. So whatever this is, whether it's a long time, it's metaphorical or, or literal, he should no longer be deceiving the nations. And if I looked around, I would think the nations are being deceived. Right? Okay. Can we agree on that, right? Like, yes. Okay. So locks him up, man, that he may not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. You guys with me? Right? Slap yourself up here. Okay. Verse 4. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. So it's thrones and people who's given the authority to sort and separate, right? Also, I saw the souls who'd been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God. Who are those people? They were beheaded? Yeah, like in the tribulation time, right? What they, they didn't follow the Antichrist and the beast. They didn't take on whatever this mark is. They didn't denounce Christ. Instead, they said no, and they're killed. So now what we have here is these people are there. The souls of these people who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life. And they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Yep. So you see that? They reigned with Christ. So that could be called the first resurrection. So those people who were killed were raised. And now we know they are reigning with Christ. Verse 5, the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So yeah, grandma, grandpa, your brother, sister, whoever's gone before you, they, they don't, they're not there then. They come at the end of the thousand year based on the English Standard Version translation of this. Okay? Which the other versions, most of those seem to be kind of in agreement with that piece there. Verse 6, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. So those people who were beheaded for him, right? Bless, God bless them. Because many of us, you know, we, we meet the natural death where we're not killed for our faith. That's, 
I won't say easier, but I mean, thank you, Lord, if I don't have to be tested to like, I'm taking your head off for you or you say no, right? Like I'm, I'm rather not say, okay, take my head and Jesus is Lord. That's easier. It's easier just to say, no, I accepted him and I die of great old age, like some Hollywood movie, right? That, that's, that sounds more pleasant. So blessed are these people who suffer that death because they will be the priests of God and they will reign with him for those thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, check this out, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations. They're at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. So you see this, he's been locked up for a thousand years. All of us like, Jesus, couldn't you be president of our country or king of our country? Well, here's what happens. As long as evil's there, he's deceiving the nations. And so even with Jesus as king, He's deceiving the nations, and he gathers these people from the four corners of the earth. And it says here at the end, their number is like the sand of the sea. What's that mean? A bunch of them. Okay, so let's not get lost in the words. They let Satan out. He starts going, geez, that Jesus, he thinks. Right? To all the corners. I don't know how long this takes. I don't know who these people are, but he gathers them up so much so that there's people coming against Jesus that look like the, like the sand of the sea. And then they march up over the broad plain of the earth and surround the camp of the saints in the beloved city. Right? They're surrounding them. Imagine that. You're with Jesus and you're looking around and you're like, Jesus just as far as you can see people coming to attack you. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth to the surrounded camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Woo! Please be literal. That's going to be awesome, right? Well, awful too, but, uh, but like, right, just to be, could you imagine? Whoa, what just happened, right? There's a saying where I come from, this is where I come from, and it would be like this, God is not messing around, right? Like he is not messing around because if he allows evil to do its thing, it deceives the nations. It corrupts the earth. And so as much as I, I hate to think of anyone burning up in the fire, Right? In all seriousness. How awful is that? But at the same time, how amazing and powerful is our God, who week by week we try to make smaller with our own understanding. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were. All gone, and Satan's like, uh, and Jesus is like, come here. <laughs> right into the lake with the beast and the false prophet. So if I keep reading there, and the devil who had been deceived, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So you see, we end with 10 there. And now, Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. 
This is what we've come to know as the great white throne judgment, right? Or the final judgment. Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. <laughs> Do you see this? Like lake of fire, devil thrown in there. I mean, fire just rained down from heaven on the land. And now all... And now what he sees is this, this great white throne judgment. Like Jesus is there and all of earth, all the sky is gone. It's like the best 80 CGI you've ever seen. It's just a dark room and just one person, you know. No place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. Okay, in there, there's a lot, but we're not going to dig into that today. Standing before the throne. And the books were open. See, this is what it was talking about before. Those who were dead in Christ, who weren't killed as martyrs, there's a, there's a resurrection coming for them. But it's after. It's this right here. This is the resurrection. I saw the dead. We can't forget everyone, whether you accept Jesus or not, will be resurrected. So I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books, multiple books were opened. And then it goes on to say, then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they'd done. And then the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. Right? This is weeks. We could study just these things. But anyway, you're starting to see all the dead are being, are being raised and, and brought into this judgment. They gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's awful. Imagine if you're one of those, I just thought about, I thought about this too. Imagine if you're one of those people that marched against Jesus, fire, then resurrected and fire again. But that, that's too heavy. So let's water that down with different opinions, okay, of what this has to do, right? When don't we love to do that? Because we don't want the heaviness of what really is. Now, that, that final judgment, this is the final judgment of the people. This is one of the opinions out there. The final judgment prior to the people not being written in the book of life, being casted, casted into the lake of fire. So we know that as, as Revelations 20, right? I said 11 through 15 there. Um, we know this. We know that it will take place after the millennium, okay, whatever that is. And then we also know this, that after Satan's thrown into the lake of fire, where the beast and the false prophet already are, there's going to be books opened. And these books will contain the records of everyone's deeds, whether they're good or evil. And because God knows everything that's ever been said, done, thought, and he will reward or punish each one accordingly. Okay, we, we all agree on this. There's this judgment we stand before God. There's lots of scriptural evidence there. Now, also at this time, another book is opened. This book is called the book of life. 
And this book determines whether a person will inherit eternal life with God or receive everlasting punishment in the lake of fire. Okay, we still, we still together here? So there's this judgment coming. Um, although Christians are held accountable for their actions, they're forgiven in Christ and their names are written in the book of life. This is good news. We also know from the scripture that it is at this judgment when the dead will be judged according to what they've done and that anyone's name that's not found in the book of life will be thrown into the lake of fire. And all, all comedy aside, man, that is awful. Yeah. I wish that number was zero. I think we should all wish that number would be zero people. Now, but of course, as Christians, as people, one thing about people is we love all the loose ends tied up, right? We want to have our arms around it completely. And, and God doesn't tell us a lot. He doesn't give us a lot of exacts in this section of Scripture here. Um, he didn't say, oh, by the way, this is literal, or by the way, this is symbolic, or by the way, that this is... He said, this is what it is, right? And so some, some Christians believe that the scriptures reveal three different judgments to come. And, and the first one is called the, the sheep and the goats or the judgment of the nations. And that's from Matthew 25, 31 through 36. So you can see that this takes place after the tribulation is what they believe, but prior to the millennium. And they believe its purpose is to determine who will enter the millennial kingdom. Now let's read it. Okay? So there's a group of people that are saying this is separate from what we just read in Revelation 20. And other groups say it's, this, it's part of that greater judgment. Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in glory, so he, when he comes back, and all the angels with him, he'll sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people, right? The judge separate people from another as shepherd separates sheep and goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or, or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. Then he'll go to those on his left. Depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer to them saying, truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. 
and these will go, and these will go away into etern- eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So once again, a lot of varying rules, but do you see that some people are saying this is a separate judgment altogether, and that if you are, if you pass, you go into the millennial kingdom. The only problem that I really have with that is to say. The people who don't pass, it says what's for them is the lake of fire, right? But you read in Revelation 20, it's not time for them to go to the lake of fire. It's got to get a little bit more crowded. You need, right? You need like Satan in there, death in Hades. So, but but I'm just telling you what it is, okay? This is that. Now, the second judgment that's recorded is often referred to as the judgment seat or the bema seat of Christ that comes from 2 Corinthians 5.10. At this judgment, Christians will receive degrees of reward for their works of service to God. We doing okay, everyone? Shake it out a little bit. Okay. Let's, 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, and then you have the, the white throne, right? Everyone's, everyone, some people believe that the white throne judgment is only referring to those who did not, whose names were not written in the book of life. So other Christians believe that all three of these judgments speak to the same final judgment, not three separate judgment. The, white, the great white throne judgment, Revelation 20, 11 through 15, will be the time that believers and unbelievers are judged alike. Those, those whose names are found in the book of life will be judged for their deeds in order to determine the rewards they'll receive or lose. And those names who are not in the book of life will be judged according to their deeds to determine the degree of punishment they will receive in the lake of fire. Okay, I think we all agree Jesus Christ will be the judge because it says that all unbelievers will be judged by Christ and they'll be punished according to the works they've done. Believers will also be judged by Christ. And his, but since Christ's righteousness has been imputed has been, and has been given to us, and our names are written in the book of life, we will be rewarded but not punished according to our deeds. Romans 14, 10 through 12 says, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us, shall confess to God each time. So then each of us will give account of himself to God. Okay, so then what you have here is, is, is that debate, right? Um, what, I, what I wanted to do today is, is jump ahead of all of this, but I, I wanted to show you that. I wanted to show you those different views. Now, first of all, I, I think it's important just to say this. In this room, some of you might say, you know, I, I agree with the, the premillennial view of the thousand-year reign. And some of you might say, hey, I agree with the amillennial view of the thousand-year reign. Or some of you might say post-millennial. And, and first of all, I'd just like to tell you, I hope you have a, a good reason for why you believe either one of those three. See, I take, that, I take that seriously as my job to sort of help encourage you to get into that word. So hopefully if you see that, 
and you look at the scripture to inform your decision, then you have an, an informed decision based on that as the Holy Spirit leads you. The great news is all of us are equally dependent on God's mercy, right or wrong. Right. Now, now, here's how I'm going to preach it, okay? Here's how I'm going to preach it to you going forward is that I know that there's a judgment coming. And it is hard for us to be able to kind of navigate the reality that, that wrath is coming and God is serious about holiness, right? And he's serious about sin and he's serious about eradicating it from the earth. And I think this scripture, if anything, it shows us one thing. I mean, can you imagine, guys, since the beginning of time when, G when Jesus, you know, was, was even with Abraham, it was like, Abraham, like, make me a great nation, right? And then the world will be fine. And then Moses, I'll make a great nation. Then the world will be fine. It wasn't, right? There, there, there were slaves and they came out, make us a great nation. And then throughout time, like even in England and them, let's do crusades because we want to be a great nation for God and then God's going to be okay. And then America, we want to be a great nation for God, then God will be okay. The reality is God, we will not make God okay. The reality of this is if you believe what, what's written in there is, whether you think it's, literal or, or, you know, some sort of symbolism, even with Jesus in control, even with Jesus at the helm, I should say, right? While evil is still present, people are still deceived. Now, in those thousand years, if it's a literal thousand years, I mean, I'm sure there's extra biblical stuff, but right there, it doesn't tell me. Do those people have kids? Do those kids have kids? Do those kids have kids? I mean, right? Logic and reason would say, yeah. Somewhere along the way, enough of these people saved by God into a thousand-year reign where he's the king, they're still so stupid that they all combine together and surround the city to kill him. And then fire falls down from heaven to burn all them up. Then he resurrects them and then throws them in the lake of fire. That's awful, Will. Yeah, that's how serious evil is, how serious sin is, how deranged we get when we take our eyes off of Jesus. And so I can't, I can't, and sure, I believe that's probably true about having kids, kids, but it didn't say it literally, right? What it said is there will be this great war. There will be this great war and that Jesus is going to be victorious and that all the world systems that are creating evil at the time, the leader of that, this antichrist and the devil himself will be thrown into a lake of fire. And the sad news is those who go with him, the loving God at his, uh, and his judgment is going to say, well, this is who you went with. This is who you chose. This is whose hand you took. So you're going to go where he goes. What's that mean, being tormented day and night? I don't even know. And the minute I try to put my arms around it for you, then all of a sudden I take God out of it and I put me in it. But I know that God is so loving that in his judgment, he let us choose. And those who are like, yes, Jesus, I'm choosing you. I'm, I'm going your way. He's going to say, 
great. Okay, now go where he is. And those who said, you know what? In my head and in my heart, I thought God was holding out from me, from me, and so I went with what the world offered. And then he'll say, okay, well, then go with them. So in that, in that Revelation 20, is it all the judgments? I don't know. I think so. There's tons of books. He opens the book of life. I mean, use, use, okay, so use my tiny brain. My tiny brain says this. Rick, let's open the book of life here. Let's see who's all in it. Oops, none of you are in it. I'm really glad I opened it. Like all the books, right? All the books that he opens, it says then he opens the book of life. If the whole crowd is not in there, why did he even have to open it? Right? Like there's all these books and all this judgment happening and you kind of see that. And even in the sheep and goats, it's, it's someone telling the story about what's going to happen at the end. Right? And in that, they're like, wow, you guys, you followed me and you didn't. So you who followed me, keep following me into where we're going next. You who followed him, keep going with him next. So what I want to say to you is this. I don't need to belabor the point. I, I want, I'd like the worship team to come back up, okay? I'd like the worship team to come back up. And here's what I want, to, here's what I want you to, to do right now. Before we move forward at all, I think it's, it's important that we, that we kind of rewrite that truth, Rewrite what's in our head with that truth. Jesus is coming back. And there is a judgment coming. And, and this judgment is not as watered down as, as American Christianity wants to make it. It involves fire from heaven and, and judgment and whatever a sword out of Jesus' mouth is. And dead bodies eaten by birds. And it tells us in the scripture that the fear of God is the beginning of understanding. Right? So let's start there for a second. This God who created all of us is not messing around. He's just, he's just not. It's not. Do you, do you hear that? Do you, do you see it? And he has to. But here's God's love. He has to eradicate it from the earth because if not, your kids and your kids' kids will get so far away from him that they would march on the city that he's the king of and meet a two times fire fate. And his love for you, when he created you, he's given you the opportunity to choose. He could have made you a mindless robot, but that's not God, what God chose. And so now is the time in which, and when we're living, to choose who we're following. We're choosing now who we're following. We don't just wait till we get, you see what happens when they get there? But Jesus, you know me. 
I know a lot about you. And he says, but I don't know you. Because the last minute you were like, well, uh, you know, I was, so, I was following him, but now I don't want to go to the same place he is. It's not the way it works. So as Christians, I think we have to take seriously that, that this is coming. And if the fire from heaven is falling, the only place to hide is behind Jesus. So no matter what you think about that, we can all agree we need to hide behind Jesus. We need to live on Jesus. We need to be all life is in and through him. Jesus is the way. He's our hope. He's the one that takes all of our bad thoughts and deeds and pays the price for them. So then what we're left with is God saying, well, well done where you were faithful. So isn't that exciting? So what I want to do is like, let that stew dust off the Bible, look at that yourself and read in there. And then you won't be thinking, oh, maybe Jesus comes back in the woods. No, no, this is not going to be messing around. When he comes back, you're going to know, right? Until then, you want to follow him so that you can keep following him. Even a more realistic truth is people are dying every day. And you could be next no matter how old you are. He might come for you sooner than this. So today is the day, right? Today is the day where we repent, which is that idea that we just come before God and like, you know what? You're right, Lord. Like, I, I'm following the world system. I'm following the beasts. Even the moral beast or the religious beast, I'm following the beast instead of you. I don't want to follow them where they're going. And so I'm dropping that. And I want to follow you instead. But well, it's got to be so profound. No, it's just, it's, it's day to day. It's like, oh man, today, Lord. That's why there's this idea of always turning back. It's like you hear this right now and you're like, Lord, man, show me. That, that's the prayer. Show me where it is. Because what am I grabbing on to? Because I think so many of us, we're just grabbing on and we're going on for the ride. And we don't know the cliff we're about to go over. So sometimes you have to sort of drop whatever it is you, t- you held on to and then just hold on to Jesus instead. Because when the fire comes, he's the only safe place.